So let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And we'll know this as the Lord's Prayer, but really it's a model prayer. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 11 and then also turn your, your Bible to Acts chapter 7. Good to see the Sundaraj family back. And praise the Lord. Look like they really enjoy themselves over there, but glad they're home. All right, Luke chapter 11, and then also Acts chapter 7. If you know a little bit of your Bible here, that here the disciples, in observing the Lord Jesus, just understood something about the Lord, that He was a man of deep prayer. Of course, we understand that our Lord Jesus was very God and very man. And so you would understand that, that depth of communion that he must have had with God. And he models, he, he teaches by modeling how we ought to pray. And it's interesting here what he says. Look at, look at verses 1 to 4, then we'll, we'll flick over to Acts chapter 7 in a little while. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Notice what he says. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And notice this, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he goes on and he'll speak a little bit about some parables that, that illustrate for us our attitude to prayer. But he gives us that model prayer. But notice that, again, he say he prays, Our Father which art in heaven. And then he prays, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. And that'll be the title of our our thought tonight. Look at Acts chapter 7. Look at Acts chapter 7. And we'll turn to several scriptures tonight if you'd please follow along. Acts chapter 7. And notice verses 54 to 60. And um, notice verse 54, Acts chapter 7. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. And this is Stephen preaching to them um, about their, their need for, for Christ. Notice verse 55, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And isn't that interesting? As Stephen was suffering there for, the, for Christ, he looked up and he saw a glimpse of heaven. He saw the Lord there. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And you know, sometimes when we speak with people who are at death's door, they often see those who are saved, they see a glimpse, don't they? And if you've ever been around those who've, who've um, passed from this life to the next, uh, there are some who have said that. And of course, as, um, as you are now well aware, um, Mrs. Gloria Watling graduated from this place to the new life in heaven. 
And um, just was thinking about that. Thinking about the, the fact that many of us here, we've got loved ones that will be waiting for us on that side. Who even now is looking down upon us. And we'll see that in Scripture in a little bit. But have you ever really thought about heaven? Have you ever really, ever really thought about what the Bible has to say, and, and this won't be comprehensive tonight. We'll, we'll just mention some things, and then we'll get to, to a point here in a little while. But the Bible speaks of at least uh, three different kinds of heaven, and, and I'll say there, there perhaps is a fourth. The word heaven or heavens is mentioned 127 times in your Bible. And the Bible speaks, the, uh, speaks of the, the word heaven in different contexts, and we get the meaning Firstly, the, the firmament of heaven or the first heaven. And really what this means is it's the earth's at, at, atmosphere. It's the home of the birds and the clouds. Uh, when we look out, and this morning when I woke up, I looked outside and saw the, the first heavens. It was, it was a beautiful sunrise. And the different hues and colors of the, of the sky. And we look at that and we admire its beauty, don't we? We see paintings and photographs and uh, desktop backgrounds of sunsets and sunrises. And really when the, the Bible is speaking about the firmament of heaven, it's really speaking about earth's atmosphere, the home of the birds and the clouds. In Jeremiah 4.25, I beheld and lo, there was no man and all the birds of the heavens were fled. In Genesis 1.20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So in, in some cases, the Bible will speak of that. And again, uh, if you study this through, the context will tell you what it's speaking about. Then we see this, the second heaven, or, or really this is space, the universe. Um, and, and you know somewhat we get this by deduction. And if the first one is the earth's atmosphere, the third one is where God lives, then the second one must be above the atmosphere. Um, and so in Genesis 22:17, the Bible tells us that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and they, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Of course, this is the Lord speaking to, uh, to Abraham and his descendants. And he says, I will bless thee as thy seed as the stars of the heaven. So we see deduced there that it's, Space And again, that we see in Scripture, Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. I believe in that sense it's speaking about the, the vastness of our, our galaxy, the, of space. And, 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 you know, you think about space and, and somewhat we can peer into space, can't we? We see telescopes that are powerful enough to look and to take even photographs. And we, we've sent... Um, We've sent, we've sent different, um, different rockets up into the atmosphere, into that second heaven. And tonight, really, we're going to talk about the third heaven. And the third heaven is where God is. Amen? That's where, where, where He is. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we note here that it, it, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, it's, it's referred to it this way. Um, look at verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. 
And so Apostle Paul is, is, is really musing here. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. And they say this in a parenthetically, whether in body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in, in body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And, and so he's saying that there was this third heaven where he was caught up in the, uh, really in the, in, in the presence of the Lord. It's referred to it this way. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8 in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 8. And notice verses 27 and then also 30. So this is, uh, this is Solomon. It says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens, three, cannot contain thee how much less this house that I have builded. So he covers all three aspects there. Then he says in verse 30, And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, when they shall pray for, toward this place, and hear thou in heaven, thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. And so, as Solomon was, was considering God and his dwelling, he refers to the heaven and the heaven of heavens. So the third heaven is, is the, the dwelling place of God right now. And, and, you know, that's the place that I want to focus on tonight. That's the place we generally, when we say heaven, we think of that place where God is. We sing songs with our children. The fact that God is, where God is, is heaven is. And, and again, think about the, the first heaven and the, and the second heaven. Man has somewhat conquered the first and the second heaven. Right? Man, in, through God's uh, enabling him of his ingenuity, has been able to craft different machines and different engines to be able to fly, to be able to break through the, the atmosphere and to even to go into space and and really, no matter what you think of that, right, some of you conspiracy theorists, all right? But you see that somewhat they've, they've, uh, they've conquered that. And, but you know, this third heaven, no man can get to. Except for the, through the blood of Christ. Except through salvation. Um, and we're gonna, that's what we're going to discuss tonight. And I said there's possibly a fourth. In, in Revelation 21, we see a new heaven and a new earth, and if you really study that out, and again, I'm not going to say dogmatically what that is, but if you study it out, there's different characteristics of the new heaven. And so we would say that even biblically, there, there's the heaven that comes after the millennium, and the earth gets an upgrade, so why not heaven get an upgrade? <laughs> and so we see that later on, but we won't focus on that. Again, really the first three are in existence now, and it's the third one. This place where God lives that I want to discuss tonight, this is the heaven that is present. And I believe will differ to the one that's after the millennium. This means that this is the heaven that we will go to if we, in this dispensation, are to die. And again, I won't belabor the point, but we have those loved ones, even recently, who are now there. And for those who are saved... That will, is the promise given us. And when we say that we will live with God 
in eternity, that is yet in future. That is the eternity after the millennium. That's, I believe, the new heaven, and yet there's still something great, isn't there, about just the thought of heaven in the present sense that we have spoken about even tonight. So, so what does the present heaven look like? What is it like? And this is one where our loved ones are. This is the place where God is. This is the place where if you were to die in Christ today, you would go. This is the one promised us. And, and what, what is it like? What kind of place is it? And really, that's what we're going to think about. And then think about that, that thought of as in heaven, so in earth. All right, so let's look at firstly its description. What kind of place is it? In the first place, I want to say it must be a wonderful place. It must be a wonderful place because Paul wanted very much to go there, didn't he? He was, he was in a bit of a, a bind, you would say. The, he said in Philippians 1.23, For I am in a strait betwixt two. He said, I'm, I'm beside myself to, to figure out where I want to be. And it must be a wonderful place. He says, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And, and I think we could echo his sentiment there, can't we, tonight? You think about the world that we live in, and there's no heaven here on earth. You know, there's such a blasphemous thought that, that uh, some uh, liberal scholars, even Christ, Christian scholars would say that there's no real heaven, that heaven is really here on earth. What, what a hopeless situation we would be in then. But, but what a wonderful place the third heaven must really be. You know, you can think of, of several destinations you, you would say would be a dream destination. But I would hasten to say tonight that none of them would be in comparison to how wonderful heaven truly is. And, and Paul, even though he had seen mysteries and he had seen all of these things from God, even he understood that, that this was far better. It must have been a wonderful place. It must be a wonderful place. Secondly, it must be a planned place. Uh, Jesus has been preparing it for us. He says in John 14, too. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And aren't you glad? You know, we, we often talk to our children about the, the reality of death. But we often, we often mention that in the same vein of the hope that we have in heaven. And we speak about that. And, you know, we, we talk about the, the typical things, uh, the streets of gold, the, the crystal sea, and uh, the, the pearly gates and all of those, uh, those, uh, those things that the Bible describes for us. But, but really, in, in all essence of that, we see that really God's been preparing it for us. It's a prepared place. And, you know, that, that would be, a, a, that would be an, a, an amazing place. It's, it's prepared. It's planned. But then also we see here that, thirdly, it must be close enough to see. You see, we read in earlier in Acts chapter 7, again, Stephen saw directly into it. We can think about other, uh, other personalities in Scripture. We can think about Isaiah, who saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw a vision of heaven, and, and God can somehow draw the veil away. And we understand that, that heaven's not just a future place, it's a current place. It's a place that's existing, that's very much real, as we would deem right now. In, in this place, as we sit around and we, we feel the, the air and the atmosphere around us, it's just as real as what you're feeling now as it is to those who are there right now. Just as real. It's not just some figment of, 
of some deep sleep of imagination. It's not what dreams may come. No, it's a real place. And it's a place, it must be close enough to see, for Stephen saw directly into it. Again, he, he saw the glory of God. He, he looked up steadfastly into to heaven and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And again, he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened. And so he looked up into the first heaven and somehow opened up and allowed him to see into the present heaven. Into that third heaven where God dwells. And you know, this likewise will happen during the tribulation period. Although instead of the comfort it brought Stephen, it'll bring despair to the rebellious humanity that will be there. Look at Revelation chapter 6. Look at Revelation chapter 6. So you understand that, that as, as we think about that, there's this, these dimensions that are existing today that, you know, in just, just with our natural eye, we cannot see. But that's why the Bible tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. But one day, our faith will be sight. One day, as we, as we see now, we will see then. And, and here, there's, there's instances where God unveils for mankind a glimpse of heaven. So it must be close enough to see. Look at Revelation chapter 6. Look at verses 14 to 16. And the heaven departed, notice this, as a scroll when it is rolled together. Just, just think about that imagery. Suddenly, the, the veil of the atmosphere that we just term as the first heaven and even really the second heaven is, is removed completely. And the people here in this time, they saw as it were. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains, and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of His wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? And by the way, can I just say, we need not fear that. Because we won't be here at tribulation time. Don't let anyone fool you about that. Alright, we won't be here. The tribulation isn't for us. But in that day, those people described, those bondmen and the different kinds of men and women there, they will fear when heaven is opened up to them because they, saw, they will see the king whom they've rejected, whom they've ridiculed, whom they've mocked, and they'll, he'll unveil heaven and they'll be, they'll be del delirious in fear. And so we see that, uh, we understand that we live in a three-dimensional space. But, but, uh, there has to be, there's, there's other dimensions we cannot see that are nevertheless, again, just as real. Um, there's a whole bunch of, of scientists and physicists who, who have uh, in some way postured and postulated about a multiverse. And, and, and what, what that is, is they're, they're saying that there's different dimensions that, that coexist, that run parallel to this, this one. And in somewhat, they're, they're right. Because really, the, the spiritual dimension is unseen to us, but it's running just, uh, just as, as this time is running right now. And we might not, it might not be to the, to the 
to their imagination of, of, you know, alternate futures and alternate pasts. But it's coinciding with, with the timeline that we're, we're seeing now. We see in, in heaven it's going along as well. And it's just as real, church, tonight. It's not just some sort of, you know, again, figment of someone's imagination. Heaven's real. And it's, it's another dimension, the spiritual dimension that we don't see. And, you know, it's one of the, one of the, the great unexplained things that's, that, 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 uh, that people have postured about. And again, again, I think they're partially right. Because as I understand it, the present heaven is another dimension that exists parallel to us. It just exists. It's in, in, in conjunction with ours. And people can see out of it if God so chooses. And people can see into it if God so chooses. We see that. See, Stephen, it was unveiled for him. We see here as the seal was broken, we see, and we see it was a physical place. Okay, when we look through the, the description of heaven, it was a physical place. It's not just some spiritual place. It was a physical place. It's filled with tangible, touchable, solid things. We see when you study the book of Revelation, you see the numerous physical things mentioned as being in the present heaven. We see a throne. We see a sea of glass. We see a temple. We see scrolls and books. We, we see white robes. We see palm branches. We see musical instruments. All of those are tangible, touchable things. And so somewhat, it's, it's a physical place that we will be part of. And so that's a, just, again, it's a, it's a it's description. But really what we, we ought to be concerned about is what it's like. As in, what, it's, what, what will life be like there? And sometimes that's the place where our imaginations tend to dwell. And we can focus now on its practices. What's heaven going to be like for us? Have you ever thought that? Or are you one of these that just believe the comics where we're going to be angels with harps? I hope that's not the depth of your theology tonight. But, but there's much more, and, and we see that, and there's different practices. And look at, again, look at Revelation chapter 6. We're there already. Look at verses 9 to 11. And when he had opened a fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, notice what they said, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? on them that dwell on the earth. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And notice this, this again, this, this glimpse of heaven, and notice a couple of things in regard to, to life there. There's somewhat a continuity of life between heaven and earth. Yeah, there's somewhat something similar or same, but really just continued in another location. And some of us, in, 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 in a very simplistic sense, have done that. We've moved from one place to another, and we've carried some things that were relevant to still do in this new place. Some of you have lived, uh, moved from one country to this country, and you've continued some practices. You ate back there, you still eat today. Some of you ate well, well better today than you did yesterday. But, but we see there's a continuity, and, and, and that's sort of the illustration here. You see, people in heaven, 
we see it here, can raise their voices. They, they cried with a loud voice. They cried. So we see, firstly, people in heaven can raise their voices, which indicates that they have a, a mind, they have a thought process. It's not just this eternal sleep. They have emotion. They crowd, they cried, they were concerned. People in heaven then, therefore, are free to ask God questions. Didn't they ask a question? So again, that's a continuity. People in heaven obviously don't have omniscience yet because they're asking questions. They can still learn and grow. So in this third heaven, they're still asking questions. They don't understand everything yet. They're still learning and growing. Notice here, though, that they have a, a heightened sense of justice. They have a deep passion for justice. They ask, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? They wanted justice for what was done to them. And there's a heightened understanding of what justice is. They see God more clearly. And they long for Him to exercise His holiness and righteous judgment on sin. We see that people in heaven are distinct individuals. You know, sometimes we think that suddenly when we're in heaven, we have this mind, uh, this hive mentality where we all just think the same and, and operate the same. And so in this third heaven currently, the present one that we're speaking about, we see that people in heaven are distinct individuals. They know, they experience, they still remember what was done to them. We see here then that time exists in the present heaven. We see that God is still biding His time. And they're well aware, these people are, who are citizens and part of heaven. They're well aware that time is not yet. So there's still an existence of time. We see people in heaven know what is happening on earth. They're not so detached and unaware. They actually are still aware. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Look at verses 1 to 3. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And, and they noted when that great whore was judged, they understood what was happening here on earth. We know in, in Luke chapter 15, if you go, go turn there really quickly, Luke 15. And we know this verse in, in verse 7, I say unto you, that, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Guess what? In heaven, they understand when someone gets saved. And there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing there. And they see when one sinner repents and gets saved, they're well aware of what's happening here on earth. In Hebrews chapter 12, and we know this verse. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. And here, remember I told you earlier, we have those that are looking down and they're well aware of what's happening. 
They're well aware of the service tonight. They're well aware of the spiritual warfare that's happening. They're well aware of, of the struggles that, that, that we're still going through. And here we see, wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about. I mean, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And really, as I began to think about tonight and just the, this message, that's where I started. I sort of started to think about that great cloud of witnesses. And one, I wondered who they were. But then I began to see, and, and we understand then that those people who have gone before us, those dear ones, they're not really lost to us. They're still watching. They're, they're interested as God allows uh, for, for the, 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 the works that are still happening here on earth. They're that great cloud of witnesses. Aren't you glad for that? I, I sure am. And, but you know, what, um, you know what, what makes me glad about that is for me, there's, there's those that I'm still accountable to. I know I'm accountable to God. But there are those that are with Him now who in many ways they're, they're cheering us on. In many ways, if they could speak to us, if God would allow, they would tell us to just keep going for the Lord. They, they know that the battle is, is still is won and the battle still, still needs to be fought. And the race still needs to be run. And, and there's people in heaven who know what is happening on earth. You think about Samuel. Again, another illustration in 1 Samuel 28, when he was called up by the witch of Endor. Remember that? He knew what had happened to Saul after Samuel's death. Isn't that interesting? He knew that Saul was rebellious. He still knew that Saul was yet rebellious. And he had been, again, paying attention to what was going on down here. And so we see that. We see that the, the people there are still well aware. They're that great cloud of witnesses. They're still well aware of what's happening here on earth. And, and so... We see that. But then also, a couple of quick things. It's also a place of singing. In, in Revelation 14.3, they sung as it were. And have you, ever, have you ever noticed how much singing there is in the book of Revelation? And uh, can I just say this? The reason we sing is for the Lord. So even if you have a crooked voice, make a joyful noise. Because guess what? This is practice for eternity. <laughs> and we'll have, we'll have this, this uh, incorruption, will put, uh, this, this, this mortal will put on immortality. God will straighten your voice out later on. You'll blend. You'll sing in tune. But, but listen, practice now. You know why? Because we'll do that in heaven anyway. We're going to sing and worship God that way. We're going to sing and worship God now. And listen, if you're foolish enough to think that singing is insignificant, then you are a fool. Because we'll do that in heaven. And as in heaven, so in earth. You get that? It's a place of singing. It's a place of worship. It's also a place of fellowship. I love that hymn. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. And one day, you know, it'll be, have you noticed that there's always multitudes in heaven. You know, some, some of us here who are uh, in, in our nature, you're introverted, 
You know, there's just something about a Christian when, when they're right with God and they just want to be around other Christians. It's true. If you don't want to be around other Christians, there's something wrong. Because you know what? In eternity, we will fellowship. Our fellowship is with the Savior. Our fellowship is, is with God. But our fellowship is with each other. And there's going to be, a, 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 again, a glad reunion one day. But it's, boy, what a fellowship that'll be. Can you imagine the conversations we're going to have? Can you imagine those things that we're going to converse about? Can, can you imagine the, the things that we'll see in heaven that we'll, we'll, we'll speak about when we see it? So it's a place of fellowship. But then also, uh, not only is it a place of fellowship, but it's also a place of serving. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 15, Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him daily. Now, we don't have too many other specifics about how we will serve, but we will serve. So guess what? As in heaven, so in earth, you better serve. If you're, if you're just trying to bide your time here on earth, listen, God's will is, He said, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. So, so the practice in heaven is that we'll serve Him. So quit complaining about that here on earth. We're, we're going to do it for eternity. We're going to do it in, upon arrival. It's a place of serving. You know, people in heaven pray. They pray. What is prayer? It's just talking to God. And we already saw it in, in the verses we've turned to. There's, there's a lot of talking to God, a lot of asking questions. There's, there's asking Him to do things. There's asking Him for justice. We know Jesus prays for us in heaven in, heaven, in Romans chapter 8. We know that the martyrs pray in heaven in Revelation chapter 6. And if they can do see what is happening on earth and they do have access to God, it would, it would um, stand indeed then for them to pray. And it would be strange for them not to pray and speak to God. And listen again, as in heaven, so in earth, you know, we, we so often think about the joys of heaven, but we don't practice heaven now. Those practices of heaven, of prayer, of worship, of service, of fellowship, God's will is as in heaven, so in earth. And so it's a place of prayer. People in heaven pray. And some people say, well, how can it be heaven if if those people are aware of bad things happening on earth. Hey, can I tell you, God is aware. And it's still heaven for God. The angels see the torment of the damned in hell in Revelation chapter 14. And it's still heaven for them. Abraham and Lazarus saw the rich man's torment in hell in Luke 16. And paradise remained, remained paradise for them. And so, well, you're thinking, well, won't that cause pain? Won't that cause us pain? And there's... No pain and sorrow in heaven? No, that's the eternal heaven. Again, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, that's when He'll wipe away all tears. That's when He'll, he'll do away all of those sorrows and all of those things. And, and joy in the eternal heaven will be based on the complete absence of sin. And joy in the present heaven is based not on an ignorance of what is happening down here on earth, but really it comes down to this on a change of perspective. And that's what, where, where I want to get at this evening. You know, as we, as we think about heaven, really in heaven, we're going to see God as He is. We're going to see God as He is. You know, in, in this life, 
We know from Moses' experience when he asked, can you, can you show me who you are? That it's dangerous for us to see God in all his glory here, in this, this corrupted body of ours. But once we've taken off this corruption and we've put on incorruption, then guess what? We can see God for who he is. Boy, wouldn't that be a change of perspective? You know, we'll have the, the equivalent of perfect faith. Our, our faith will be sight. We'll have no doubt in His actions. You know, sometimes we see the mysteries of... We, we wonder at the mysteries of God here. We don't often see exactly why. But in heaven, we're going to have no doubt in His actions. We can ask Him directly. We will fully understand that His ultimate triumph and the... Uh, the, the way he's going to address all wrongs is really just a matter of time. And sometimes we grow impatient in that, don't we? You know, again, we, this, this past week, the, the abortion bill came through in the, uh, in the lower house in the New South Wales Parliament. And we cry out for those who in, in past and in future were murdered in the womb. And where's the justice in that? But God, God will address that one day. And in heaven, we're going to have a different perspective. We're going to see, and we're going to be able to ask and understand. Then it's just a matter of time. We'll have an increased understanding of the whys behind how God worked in our life. And all of this perspective change will allow us to experience a deeper joy than we've ever known. And even while we're, being, we're aware of what's happening, all of the sin and the pain here on earth, we see the why. And really, it's a, it's a place of continual learning, of understanding. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, we're going to have a clarity of God in person. We're going to see Him as He is. And He says here in, in verse 9, in this great, uh, great chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 of, of charity, Notice what he says now, and, and charity really is love, not just in action, love in motion, it's growing love. It's a love that's developing to be like Christ's, so it's maturity, it's perfection. So in that context, he says, for we know in part, in verse 9, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in, in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. So he's saying there's some things we don't quite understand, we don't quite clearly see. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So you know what he says? Right now it's, just, it's, it's, it's sort of the reception's a bit blurry. There's some things that we see. But then in heaven, we're going to see like it's face-to-face. -face. We're going to see in, in full, high definition. We're going to see it all. We're going to understand then. And he's saying, in, we know now in part, but then shall I know. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. But what I'm saying is, is in that time in heaven, we're going to continue to, to grow in our understanding. We're going to see for God for who He is. You understand, we're going to be with God in person. We're going to be like Adam and Eve in the garden. We're just walking with God and, and having, having that face-to-face that, uh, that -face with God. We're going to have a clarity about His plan. 
We're going to have a clarity about all of those things that we've wondered about. We can go to Him. We can see Him in all of His glory and all of His power. You understand? We don't really get that right now. But we will then. We'll know then. And I'm glad that as, as we think about that, His will is as in heaven, so in earth. See, sometimes, sometimes we make do. Sometimes we make do with, uh, with an earthly mentality. Remember what the Bible tells us, that we ought to set our affections on things above. You know, we ought to be the kind of people, if, uh, a saved people that are heavenly minded. You know, I've never met anyone that was so heavenly minded they were not, no earthly good. That's a false premise, actually. It's a nice saying, but actually in the Christian, in the Christian life it makes no sense. Because what God is telling us is to be indeed heavenly-minded. To be indeed realizing that we're, we're now seated in high places in Christ Jesus. That in Christ, we have the very essence of heaven. And I, 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 love, I love the fact that really we can change our perspective. You know, as believers, sometimes we lose hope, don't we? Don't we? We, we sort of like, What's happening? Look at this world. Look at what I'm going through. Oh, another thing, another that. And yet, you know, we only see in part right now. And we can, we can go beyond that and, and have a heavenly perspective. I love this poem by Jack Hiles who, as a small boy, he was watching from the floor while his mother embroidered. And here, I'll just read it out to you. It was just a little wooden hoop her caring hands would clasp some cloth, some tre a thread, a needle's point as treasure, treasures she would grasp. What are you doing, mother dear? My straying voice would cry. Embroidering, she answered clear with mothering reply. I must confess, tis quite a mess. O erring mother of mine, why waste your day to idly play with balls of tangled twine? Why, mother, are the darkened strands so mingled with the bright? You hold some black threads in your hand, why can't they all be light? My son, soothe mother's smiling voice, your view is from below. When I am through, I'll beckon you, and then you too can know. You cannot see from neath my knee what I can see from here. So play a while, my restless child, and I will lift you near. When mum was done, she cooed my son. Come sit upon my knee. Come quickly, crawl upon my shawl. It's time for you to see. I soon found rest upon her breast to see from mama's side. To my delight, a sunset bright, a view I'd been denied. What wasn't known to you, mine own, is that another's hand had drawn for me to plainly see a predetermined plan. The course I took, I ne'er forsook a wiser one's design. He'd placed a plan within my hand that was not really mine. Bright threads alone could not have shown the beauty of the rays. One must weave night with daytime light or know a gla glary haze. What was to thee where thou could see a messy underneath was from my eyes a sweet surprise, a lovely evening wreath. What are you doing, Father dear? 
my aching heart doth sigh. Embroidered in my life I see some dark threads drawing nigh. Tis messy too from earthly view that I know here below. Don't weave my life with shadowed strife. Please send me only glow. I heard a loud yet silent voice. Look up to me, my child. Just be about my business now. I'll show you after a while. You need the night as well as light to make you hold my hand. You need the dark as well as bright to do my perfect plan. One day, twice born, I'll blow my horn and make you be as I. I'll let you come to my own home where you will never die. Tis then you'll find, dear child of mine, my plan was always best. Just trust, don't worry. Doubt or fret, come unto me and rest. So trust me now, though furrowed brow seems off thine earthly plight. I'll hasten near to wipe your tear that falleth through the night. Just do my will and love me still. My face is in your sight. Then you will see t'was best for thee. Your, your father's plan was right. You know, sometimes from our earthly view, we don't see the complete picture. But in heaven we'll see. In heaven we'll know. In heaven we'll understand. And, you know, C.S. Lewis likened it similarly. He said this, Women sometimes have the problem of trying to judge by artificial light how a dress will look by daylight. Says so that is the very problem for all of us. To dress our souls not for the electric lights of the present world, but for the daylight of the next. The good dress is the one that will face that light. And you know, sometimes we have a warped perspective of life. You know why? Because we've kept our perspective here on earth. We've not allowed the will of God to be as in heaven, so in earth. And yes, we wonder at the, the awesomeness of, of heaven. You know, what struck me is that Christian maturity is simply the bringing, really, of a heavenly perspective here on earth. You know, sometimes we're guilty of just complaining. But really, it's because we've not allowed heaven to change our perspective. We've just been earthly. And here I am tonight. I believe that's what Jesus meant in his model prayer. As in heaven, so in earth. That means this, we can now have perfect faith. We can walk by faith. We can strive to see him as he is, as he's revealed to us in Scripture. We can trust Him and have no doubt in His actions. We can grasp His ultimate triumph and victory over all that's wrong in the world. We can have confidence in His justice. We can have absolute trust in His plan. Because the Lord prayed, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. And so tonight, church, maybe as we head into the week, we, we praise God for heaven but we let heaven change our perspective. We can stop looking up and see just the messy threads of life. And we can trust that God's looking down and in heaven, so in earth. In heaven, 
and with a heavenly mindset and a heavenly perspective, we'll see that God had the best plan all along. And we should have trusted him in the first place. And so again, maybe tonight we'd take the perspective of being on our Father's knees. Letting him just show us that, you know, this life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, this life that so easily bothers us, so easily breaks our heart, so easily discourages us, so easily catches us in sin, so easily can be misconstrued and warped in our perspective, can be made clear if we would only think and have the perspective like we would eventually one day anyway when it's our time to be in heaven. As in heaven, so in earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, we can pray that. Thank you that as we, Lord, observe what heaven will be like, that we can understand that your, your plan for us was that, that perspective, that, that way of living in heaven is, is the way we ought to live in our day. Lord, even on this earth, basking in your, your glory, Lord, confident in your presence, Lord, uh, having a sense of, of, of justice and having a sense of the, the clarity of your will and way. Help us, Lord, to strive, Lord, to uh, set our affections on things above. And, and so often, Lord, we're guilty, Lord, of, of having a, just, just an earthly heart and mind. And yet, Lord, we as saved people, we've got our, our place reserved in heaven Lord, we, we can have your mindset and we can have that heavenly perspective now. So help us, dear God. I thank you, Lord, for, uh, for just helping us see that the, that cloud of witnesses who's gone before us, they're, uh, they're, they're just continuing to cheer us on as we go and run this race for you. So help us, dear God, not to go into this week with an with a, with a exasperation of, of the time that we live in, but an understanding that we can have great peace and joy in you, just like we would one day when we are ultimately in your presence in heaven. So I pray that you'd help us even now in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, let's all stand to our feet.